0: Hey, how are you? All right. I'm tired today. I'm sorry. I know we're, we're taping kind of late in the day here. Oh, no, it's okay. I'm not complaining. I was tired even at 9 a.m.
1: I'm not going to ask why that was, but I am going to welcome everybody to Speakeasy. Number, I don't even know how many of this is, a million.
0: Welcome, everyone. We're excited. It's been a while since we've done one of these, which this is kind of where we kind of grab some bits and bobs that we enjoyed that we couldn't include on air for various reasons and share them with you. And we have a couple of gems for you. Do you want to set up this first one? I Rico?
1: certainly do. Rick Astley came into the studio and i was preposterously tell, tell happy people who rick astley it. is yeah rick for those who don't i mean i think folks know but for those who don't rick astley was a big hit pop song maker back in the 1980s and he had a slew of hits he's incredibly baby faced for the voice that comes out of him he, he looks he mm-hmm. still looks today like he's 18 years old it's amazing but the do we voice, want to
0: play a clip of his songs now yeah
1: why don't well i mean here let's play the obvious never yeah. gonna give you up <laughs> Now, some of you obviously know that song from the internet meme called Rick Rolling. Yeah. And if you heard Rick on our show, he did the soundtrack segment of the show, and we didn't talk to him much about Rick Rolling. For those who don't know, Rick Rolling is when you you send somebody a link, and then you say it's one thing, and they click on the link, and it turns out to be the
0: video of that song. And by the way a subplot on this season of South Park, or at least last episode, two episodes ago. Uh Oh, I must Um, catch that. Rick Rowling makes two appearances in a great episode, which is really some of the best satire on this current political moment. But anyway, continue. So Rick Astley came by and he talked about... because we did the soundtrack segment
1: of the show with him, we really didn't have a chance to air our conversation about the phenomenon of rickrolling what must that be like for him so i asked him and here's what he said
2: to be honest i I, i've tried really hard to have perspective on it and um having a teenage daughter at the time when it first happened was really helpful because obviously she's the internet generation so she just kind of just said look don't worry about it it's nothing to do with you yeah yeah it's just a thing whatever you know forget it and that's kind of what i did i just kind of said well it certainly hasn't done me any harm that's for sure and most of the time i think a lot of the things have been really clever that have come out of it as well. You know, you've got sure. your basic Rickroll, but then there's so many things that people have done that are hilarious, I think. It's just funny, you know, some of the things that they've done. That What's your favorite? I've got a couple of favorites. Uh, somebody cut up all of uh, Obama's speeches, so he ended up kind of saying the whole uh, song. <laughs> the lyrics yeah, to yeah, the song. yeah, kind of singing it. Um, one of my ultimate favorites was some friends of ours' kids were at school in Boston. At MIT, obviously, you're talking about boffins. You're talking about you know the brains of the world going there, right? You? you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and someone had climbed up onto a big uh, tank, like a gas tank, a round cylinder, huge, and they put the first notes of "Never Gonna Give You Up." You had to be able to read music to get yeah. that one. They're taking it up a level. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you get the joke, great. But if you can't read music, then you're not going to get it. You know. So I thought that was pretty funny. No, that's amazing. And like I say, it certainly hasn't done me any harm. You know, we play. Sometimes, especially this year, we've played a few festivals where I'm probably kind of Uncle Rick. I'm probably the oldest artist to climb on that stage um, (laughs) because it's a younger festival, really. And that's okay. That's really okay because... I sing, obviously, Never Gonna Give You Up, but even a couple of my other old tunes, and there's kids in their teenage years, and they know the words, and I'm thinking, even if they're doing it ironically, that's still pretty powerful, the fact that somebody knows your song and it's 30 years old. That is pretty weird.
1: And I I honestly do believe that there's a point where irony goes back around to love. I'd like to think that. I do. (laughs) Never
2: gonna (laughs) give you up. Never gonna let you down.
0: That's Obama. And that, of course, Barack Obama uh, edited to be singing Rick Astley's song. Is he's, he's such a good sport, such a kind guy. And you know, I don't—I never interpreted it as an insult to Rick Astley. No, you know what I mean. He's not like Millie Vanilli, who became a laughing stock. He was just a very popular kind of bubblegum poppy musician, but. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. seemed like the Rickroll was feels like it was pretty arbitrary. Did you do any research? Do you know why it began? Why the that? I
1: do not know why that particular one was chosen. It started as a lot of internet memes do on Reddit. I know that, but mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know why that song was chosen. But I did try to explain to him every time I get Rickrolled and it still happens today. That's it's just one of these lasting memes that still yeah. happens 5 years later or whatever. And every time I get one, I get actually blindly happy. It makes me s- extremely <laughs> happy. Yeah, I'll watch you know. the entire video through, and it makes me feel kind of peppy, and it reminds me of my youth, and it's excellent. And I tried to impress upon him that I do think people really enjoy getting Rick Rolls. He's like, yeah, well, yeah,
0: right. I mean, he seems like he's, his self-esteem is intact and hasn't yeah. hurt him, but no. it's kind of you to make him feel like it wasn't an attack. I, I actually, I'm not making this up. I've never been Rick Rolled. What I don't think I've ever been rickrolled. Only I've seen, I know the rickroll from reading about rickrolling or it being incorporated into popular culture, like the South Park thing I was talking about before. But I don't think I've been rickrolled. That seems impossible. I mean, where what it happens usually via email. Yeah.
1: Well, social media. On social media. Yeah. I, I, think... I don't.
0: Well, I'm not. I'm not as big a social media person.
1: That is true. Although what, lately yeah. you've been you've been stepping up your game. So maybe maybe it'll happen to you, I, man. Yeah.
0: But anyway, so that was Richard Paul Astley talking about rickrolling. He's the best. Uh, he. He's among the best. He was he was very sweet, let's say. <laughs> I was just yeah. that day, I
1: think we also talked, I can't remember who else. We interviewed somebody else really great that day. And I just remember being really super happy at the end of that day that I got to meet lastly, yeah. My job was a good and, job that day.
0: And not a bad song. Does he no. did he also does he also do like Together Forever? Yep. Together forever, forever. Yep. That's the one I think of. And when you said Rick Rowling, that's the song I thought they used, but it's the other one. It's the other one. Can you use any Rick song? Oh, it's the other one. No, it's the other one. (laughs) All right. So Rick Astley, great human being. Our next bit that we want to share with you was from one of our favorite guests of late, Anthony Bourdain. Oh, yes. The the host of currently Parts Unknown, the author of Kitchen Confidential, the the guy who maybe brought on this whole kind of chefs are cool explosion years before. And it's someone who we had him on the show early on. Like uh, he once... Early days of the dinner party download oh, yeah. when it was just Rico and I being goofbags. He was uh, doing an interview or something with Marketplace, and then I like intercepted Anthony Bourdain exiting the building with my kit. And I said, "Hey, can you tell us a joke for our show?" And he was so cool, and he gave me a joke on the spot. Yes, should we tell? Do you what remember the joke,
1: the joke? We only ever played it on podcast because because it's
0: a little profane.
1: It was a li- well, it's a, yeah, it's a Jesus, it's a Jesus joke. Yeah, I but it's almost Christmas, it
0: so I think we Jesus jokes appropriate.
1: It's as dicey as you'd imagine from from yeah. Anthony Bourdain. That's what, it's what you want from Anthony Bourdain. Let's say.
0: I mean, he's exactly as you think he is, right? Yeah, a little prickly well, on, on in front of the microphone as he is behind the microphone. Wait, he's the same behind the microphone as he is. <laughs> <laughs> he's the same when the microphone's off as when the microphone's on, It's what I'm trying he's to say. He's the it. same all the time. Yeah, he's the same all the time, which is the thing. He was so good doing etiquette advice. He's made oh, for it. We basically you
1: wanted know. to have him as the, as the etiquette guest since we started the show, basically. It Precisely.
0: It. And people are like, you should have him as a regular. Well, he travels almost 300 days a year. <laughs> yes. But um, we're going to set up a, a clip for you here. So the artwork on the cover of Appetites. Rico, do you want to set it up?
1: Yeah, the artwork was by Ralph Steadman who was also Hunter S. Thompson's illustrator. Hunter S. Thompson, of course, the infamously psychedelic-fueled writer from the 60s and 70s. And Brendan and I knew that Anthony Bourdain is a huge fan of Hunter S. Thompson. So we were talking to him about Stedman, and we kind of used that to segue into talking about Thompson. And I asked Anthony if he thought that he could have hung out with Hunter Thompson or if it would have been too much even for him. And Anthony had a, a, I thought a pretty thoughtful answer.
3: Um look, to me, Hunter Thompson was a hero. His early books were great, but uh I think in many ways his his life and career post mm. Fear of Loathing on the Campaign Trail is mm-hmm. a cautionary tale for authors. You know, people expected him to be high and drunk all the time and, and to play that persona and he stuck with that to the end. And I, I don't yeah. I don't think it was good for him. I, I yeah. I always sort of feel mixed emotions when I hear about people you know, going to hang out with Hunter and how great it was to get high with Hunter. Sure. The fact is the guy was having difficulty you know, doing any sustained writing at all for years mm-hmm. probably because so many quote unquote friends you know, wanted to get high with Hunter. Yeah, Yeah. it's like we
1: realized that when he died that a lot of what we thought was kind of fun hijinks was actually, it's really painful writing, some of it. It's disappointment with the world is some of his last Uh,
3: words. You know, truer words have never been spoken. There was a badly disappointed romantic there. I mean, that great line about this Mm. is where the the wave broke, the tide rolled back. Mm. And fear and loathing. Uh, All those dreams of the 60s and fear and loathing. You know, this was a guy who'd been really, I think, hurt and disappointed and was very bitter about things. It made his writing beautiful. But also, I think with that came a lot of pain. Yeah.
0: So we have just one last question. We are self-serving. Um, one. We're both, yeah, we're both travel buffs, and we're about to lead a tour of public radio people to Cuba. Mm-hmm. If you can <laughs> believe that. That's true. <laughs> and so, where do we have to eat in Havana?
3: Wow, uh, eat these the sleeping beans as they're called. You know, ri- the rice and beans and chicken. There's a famous okay. place for chicken. I don't know the name off the top of my head, but everybody will tell you because. You know, foreign visitors will all be ushered off there at some point, (laughs) Uh Uh, but it's actually very good. And then, again, I forget the name, but it's basically a sushi bar that actual Cubans eat at. By the uh, river that, that quite, was in, in no reservation. Yeah, that uh, was in parts unknown. It's quite good. Okay, and then there's some really you know fancy you know uns, uns, uns type place on a <laughs> rooftop where they actually serve dishes like deconstructed dishes with foam in the middle of like uh, <laughs> in the middle of Havana. I don't know. I don't know whether I should send you to that place. All right. So a bunch of stuff from Anthony Bourdain.
0: Yeah. In the second part of that conversation, we left it in <laughs> because uh, it That's seemed true. like a. A good way to pivot into discussing Cuba. Yeah. Rico and I did we led a tour of forty dinner party download <laughs> should, listeners to Havana. We should put quotes around
1: that. We didn't we didn't lead the tour so much. We as, hosted
0: the tour. No, we hosted the tour. Yeah,
1: a guide led the tour. We were just kind of doofuses asking him questions.
0: Alejandro was our wonderful <laughs> local guide down in Havana. Yes. Um but I do I should say before we leave Bourdain, yeah. I mean this guy travels a couple hundred days a year and he's been doing it for years and his recommendations were spot on. We actually ate at that chicken place. Yep, for it's sure. It's called Old El Ala Al- Yibe. It was big so good. thatched roof, and it had this incredible chicken. Um, we'd heard of the sushi place. We didn't go there because we were with a group of people that were, there were too many of us to kind of go there. Yeah. Um, and I actually snuck out and had dinner at that unce, unce, <laughs> unce, uh, <laughs> yes. bar. He's talking about. We all went to Fabrica, which is this really cool art factory, which is an event space in Havana. Yeah. And next door on a roof, they have this Schmancy restaurant. But yeah, anyway, it was a, it was an amazing time meeting our. Listeners, but by the end, uh, there were people like tearing up at the airport, giving each other their email addresses. We did really really good, is what we're saying,
1: you guys. We hosted the hell out of this tour. Totally. Pretty sweet. (laughs) Um, But I mean, it was crazy because we've never been on a tour before. We're the kind of folks who just kind of do our, you know, we go and do our own sightseeing. We've never done a tour. We had no idea what to expect. And I think there was something seriously about Havana that made it special. And a, a number of things that came to mind. One thing, this is like just a purely practical thing. there's no traffic in Havana. As many people know, there's embargo. been this embargo by America, so it's very difficult for them to get automobiles, as a lot of people know. There are these 50s and 60s cars driving around, but there's just not very many of them. So you were able to quickly get around. Yeah,
0: and I think also, I mean, since there aren't a lot of cars that are tons of people walking all hours of the day and evening yeah, yeah, I don't know there was like an energy to the city based on just seeing people out in the world mm-hmm. and also it's a really safe country uh, there's no gun violence to speak of Crime is extremely low. And I think the juxtaposition of the fading architecture, you know, you, you read a lot about the decay. People sometimes call it ruin porn. You know, yeah, the, yeah. the sugar plantations built up these beautiful homes, and then it was just a, after the revolution, just money stopped and these things have just kind of been decaying. Yeah. But So it feels post-apocalyptic, but you can walk through it with safety. And, you know, there's a high literacy rate in Cuba. Everyone had like, it seemed like a lot of social confidence. Like there was just a lot. Everywhere you went, people were very comfortable interacting.
1: Yeah. And it was, it was fascinating because, you know, considering the view that we have of the now late Fidel Castro, we, we got to the island literally one week before he died. I was expecting it. And because you see, you do see these propaganda posters everywhere. I was really expecting the people to be a lot less willing to talk freely in any way certainly about politics but that was not the case people were willing to say pretty openly what was wrong with their country yeah of course as we now know Castro was quite literally on his way out uh so maybe that was something that's infused the country they kind of suspect that things were changing
0: well we also we our our guide Alejandro was 33 and he talked about the different generations and how his father and grandfather had different opinions you know but yeah everyone was comfortable talking it's hard to know whether that's Kind of part of the change that came about when Raul Castro, Fidel's brother, took over a few years ago. But it was a marvelous experience, actually an an upcoming show you will hear Rico did a food segment uh, that we'll hear from Cuba and uh, maybe some other audio bits if we can get our act together, which may not happen. (laughs) But also we're going to possibly do another Dinner Party Download journey somewhere. If you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear where you guys would like to go because we certainly enjoyed gallivanting. Because let's say, despite all that discussion we just had, it was really about food and dancing and art. And a lot of mojitos. And a lot of, a lot of, a lot of 12-year-old rum. Seriously, we should be honest about what, what wasn't so great about
1: the tour. One is that it didn't make us sick of mojitos. We had mojitos with almost every meal. Yeah. And uh, the other thing was flan. <laughs> now, yeah. you might think that flan sounds delicious to you right now. Not if you've had flan three times a day. I can, you, Nobody needs that much flan.
0: I can always get my flan. You can get your flan on? No, no. I was saying it in it. I was embedding it in the like. get my flan. <laughs> F-L-O-N? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, Cuba, maybe there'll be pictures on our website if we get our acts together in the next day or so to do that. Dinnerpartydownload.org. But now we're going to transition. Mercifully, we're going to go to this last clip, which we're really excited to share. It's a piece of music recommended by Jamila Woods. She's so great. A musician from Chicago. We had her song as a one for the road long ago, earlier this year. Her song Heaven. And then we invited her to the show, and she gave us a soundtrack. You should check it out. But she gave us more than we could even use. So here we have Jamila recommending an additional song she would play at a dinner party.
4: So the next song is Chips Down, No Landfill by Cody Chestnut. I love this song because it starts out and it reminds me of a Disney movie soundtrack. can sing pretty much every lyric to Disney movies if I was tested, I bet. I love the transformation of this song. It starts out and it has that fantasy feeling and then the contrast with his voice and what he's talking about. Something
1: around me tells me that there's more to this price than the dime has shown me
4: talking about shedding the distractions of life, like technology and you know, all the things that can kind of prevent you from really thinking about what really matters in life. There's a burst in the middle of the song where he says, you can feel in his voice how he's releasing so much and i just love that
1: Hot my
4: oh. it feels like a very wise voice it reminds me of my granddaddy or one of my older uncles and they're just you know telling me about their life and the lessons that they've learned
0: to my
4: My granddaddy was in the Marine, so he lived in a lot of different places. One of the things he would tell us is the humanity of of all people, and I think that that's a radical belief to hold, especially as a black man and the age that he was and the things he experienced, to still maintain that belief was something that he really tried to teach us. I think what I took from it was really the sense of hopefulness I
1: sold it all no,
4: I, I give it all away I did
3: I gave it all away I did All right I gave it all away I
1: did It's Jamila Woods talking about a great song by Cody Chestnut, yeah. by the way, with two capital T's for some reason at the end of his name. I was trying to figure out why that is, but I couldn't figure out why he Well, there's the- a
0: lot of mysterious stuff about Cody Chestnut, <laughs> why he hasn't made more music, his whole kind of, uh, the way he dresses, and you can even tell from the lyrics there, just such an interesting mind. Oh and, my God. and that did the greatest, like, I feel like one of the best things our show does for me besides make me not have to have a real job is uh turns me on to new music like that and i hadn't listened to cody chestnut i feel like i heard one of his albums a few years back and it'd been a while and even preparing to do the speakeasy woke me up to him so jamila woods thank you i
1: also love that description of it as the start of it sounding like a disney soundtrack that's so true but i don't know that i would ever have identified that as a a disney-esque Opening. Yeah.
0: If we were thinking on our feet, we could have she said, you know, I feel like I if challenged I could sing any Disney song. Yeah. Maybe next time when we have her back we should challenge her and see if she can if do that. If you're listening, Jamila, get ready. And I think that concludes Speakeasy. are we gonna end with a Jamila song? Did we decide? Or I don't, know. I don't know. By the way, if you haven't heard her already on our show, her name is appearing on many end of year best of lists. Jackson, are we allowed? Can we play some Jamila? Can we can we end with twenty seconds of uh Heaven? Great. Yeah. Jackson, is that okay?
1: We don't we don't have the rights to run the whole thing, but here's twenty-five seconds of her song Heaven, which is Heaven All right. Speakeasy Easy <laughs> Out.
4: Show me Show Me Show.